This is a story about a dude named Lane. He moved to the mainland and bought one place to stay. And then one day he went try to rent them out. And then he became one real investor man. Hey guys, Lane here with the Simple Passive Cashflow Podcast. Got a couple announcements before we get going with today's topic of the RV ratio, the rent to value ratio. First off, if you guys haven't yet, please review this site on iTunes and hopefully you'll leave me a five star or if not, you'll email me how I can improve. Second thing is if you guys want me to give you some help or just talk real estate, I'd be open to it. Just go to the website and look for my calendarly link. It's a pretty nifty tool that it links up right with my Gmail calendar and it can find an open spot on my calendar and just books a session right then and there. I know at work, the kind of the bane of my existence is to schedule meetings. So it's a pretty neat tool. You guys should uh, get yourself one too. It's free. Today's topic is the rent-to-value ratio. And some of you probably have a good idea of what it is. I'm going to be adding some of my commentary on the subject. This is the metric that you first take a look at when you're evaluating a possible rental property or investment. What I do is I take the monthly rent divided by the purchase price. For example, a $100,000 house that rents for 1000 is 1%. So you go 1000 divided by 100000 there. Typically, higher is the better. It doesn't always mean that you know a 2% rent-to-value ratio is better than a 1%. You know, all this is a filter for me. I typically am looking at a huge list of properties in an Excel spreadsheet. And this is just like my first step to see if it's worth checking out a property again. And if you guys use the dating app Tinder, well, obviously, if you ask anyone, they said they don't know what it is. So what it is, basically, it's an app on your phone where the possible suitor comes up and you swipe left, you swipe right if you like them or not, and hopefully there'll be a match. So it's kind of similar to rental properties. There's a lot of suitors out there. There's a lot of salesmen trying to sell you these properties. So what you do is you look at the rent-to-value ratio, and if it meets your criteria, then you kind of move on. Or in a way, you go on a date with a property, and you kind of do your due diligence and potentially move to a purchase and sell contract. I know it sounds pretty shallow of me, but in the first 5 to 10 seconds of evaluating a property, I'm not looking at the bedroom, square footage, what era it was made, if it's made out of bricks, if it's two-story, if it's a hurricane zone. I really don't care about any of that. I'm just looking if it meets my threshold, which is typically 1% rent-to-value ratio. But before you guys write that number down, numbers don't mean everything. For example, I can pick up a property that's $50,000 and it rents for $800 a month. And you're probably thinking... Hey, that's 800 divided by 50,000. So that's a 1.6% rent to value ratio. And hey, that's a lot better than that 1%. But what you got to realize is typically these lower priced properties have lower quality tenants. Now, there's some debate whether your property management can mitigate this issue. But this is just on the large scale. And this is just kind of what I've seen. You don't want to be picking up these properties because the tenants will be harder on the property and you'll just have more vacancy and trouble. It's just not worth the headaches, especially for a newer investor. 
So in some places, you might actually have to carry a gun to pick up the rent at these properties. You know, if you go into some of these places that are $50,000 or less, it's just not very safe places to be. I personally like to find properties that are right about that 1% zone, but are also the most expensive higher class areas. For example, I've picked up one of my properties at 145000 that rents about 1400 to $1,500 a month. I know that's right under or right about 1%, but the way I see it is I'm deploying a lot of capital and I'm getting a lot of bang for my buck in terms of one transaction, one loan, and everything's kind of tied up in one property. Another reason I like to pick up those larger price properties is because the tenant quality is just a little better. And at the time, I was just working with my Fannie Mae loans. And at the time of this recording in 2016, one person's allowed to get 10 loans in their name. So it makes sense to, if you're using these finite number of loans, is to go after the bigger loans and kind of don't screw around with the small $40,000, $50,000 loans. Plus, a lot of lenders just won't want to deal with you at those levels because it's just not worth their time. But I kind of digressed from the topic of the rent-to-value ratio, and that's just my little bit of my personal strategy, and it doesn't mean it's for everybody. Back on subject, I've heard of other terms used such as cap rate or gross rent multipliers but they're typically not used in the non-commercial realm of single-family rentals. These kind of vernacular can kind of tip you off to an agent that you're inexperienced or even European. Not that anything is wrong with being European. They just do things backwards. And also vice versa. If an agent's using such terms, they might be coming from the commercial side and they may just be outside of their realm a little bit. I would find somebody else to work with. If you guys go to the website, there's a graph there that I put together some pretty typical prices to rent ratios on a graph. So you can kind of see how the trends go. You guys can't see this because you're listening in the auto format. But if you take a look at the graph online, it's kind of like a curve. It's not straight. For those of you weirdos out there, it's not linear. The other thing is the rent-to-value ratio typically decreases as the home gets more expensive. So you can see in the graph is you get about $100,000 to $110,000. You can see your returns kind of flatten or get horizontal. Typicals in the chart are just performa, and which means they're subject to real life. So as I mentioned before, you don't want to get the cheap properties that have high rent-to-value ratio, this is still the same concept here. It's understanding that the curve will typically flatten out as real life happens. For example, the lower-priced properties with the high rents, you won't see a lot of those rents come back because of vacancies and harder tenants. Higher-priced properties, you'll get a lot more percentage-wise back because those tenants are a lot more higher class and they'll tend to stay longer. And also keep in mind that the higher price properties with the better tenants just tend to be a less pain in the ass or P-I-T-I, PITA. I personally try to minimize the PITA potential in all my levels investing because I'm lazy and I have a job that takes up most of my time. I'm always trying to find my best and highest use. I think what sets me apart from other investors is 
I am dead set on having these investments allow me to quit my job or free up my time for other and things other than doing property management or dealing with tenant issues. If you want me to interject some more of my personal philosophy, I like to stay in the sweet spot where the rent-to-value ratios just start to flatline. This typically in the B to B plus range of neighborhoods. These A, B, C, D classes are pretty subjective and really range depending who you ask. As I always say, you got to know where information is coming from. So if you're talking to an agent or someone who's trying to sell you the property, a B property is going to be called an A in their opinion. And if they're trying to sell you the C property, I would run away from that property and I would also run away from that agent because they're just not being upfront with you. I mean, maybe you can have the conversation with them and tell them what your thoughts on a B property and a C property and try and recalibrate with them. But that's a big red flag for someone's integrity. So I know I just told you that the best place to be is the B to B plus range. But don't take that as gospel. There's something to be said about being diversified in several classes. So for example, in Houston, where the blue-collar jobs, which are in the C and the B rentals, are suffering because of bad oil trends, it might be a good idea to have some higher-class properties in the B+, the A- range, tied with more white-collar jobs, despite the lower returns as evident through the rent-to-value ratio. Lots of things are going on here, so that's kind of why real estate investing is not black and white. There's lots of shades of gray here. Although it's simple, it's not for dummies who can't distinguish between these nuances. And now that you're thoroughly confused and you don't know what to think, someone else told me about this rule of being around the 80% of the median home price. I really want to highlight the word median, not the average, which is typically skewed higher with a figure that is easily found online. This is kind of a key point to try and be around because, for example, the median home price in Birmingham is $120,000. And if you do the math, 80% of $120,000 is about $96,000. And that's kind of the magic price point that I personally like to stay around. And that's right about a B plus or B property. That's all I wanted to talk about the rent-to-value ratio today. There's a lot of other well-written articles out there on the internet. I recommend checking it out. Anything you hear me say, I would take it with a grain of salt because I'm just one person out here and it's just my opinion. You need to really formulate your own understanding of this stuff. Before leaving you guys, I wanted to leave you with a action item. What I would recommend is make a spreadsheet, put a few columns on there, one column with the address, the second column with the potential rents that you've vetted through Zillow or Rent-A-Meter or Craigslist. It doesn't have to be perfect and take the third column and try and figure out what the market value of that property is and just do a quick formula f- to figure out the rent-to-value ratios. And if you're so inclined, make a graph to just start collecting data points. There's really no way to understand this more than to do this little exercise. And I know it's a little tedious, but it is what it is. You got to do the hard work or, I mean, it's not really that much hard work. I'll see you guys next time. Please subscribe to the blog. Please leave a review for the podcast. And if you're really that curious, go ahead and download Tinder if you really haven't used it before. All right. See you guys next time. Bye. 
This website offers very general information concerning real estate for investment purposes. Every investor situation is unique. Always seek the services of licensed third-party appraisers and inspectors to verify the value and condition of any property you intend to purchase. Use the services of professional title and escrow companies and licensed tax, investment, and or legal advisor before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed as in every investment there is risk. The content found here is just my opinion and things change and I reserve the right to change my mind. Above all else, do your own analysis and think for yourself because in the end, you are the only person who is going to look out for your best interests.